The Sportsbook Bar and Grill is owned by Denver natives who love Colorado sports. I'm a big sports guy. I love watching sports. I love people's reaction to sports when it's a high-stakes game. No matter what's going on in the world, it kind of unifies people, and everyone seems to be a friend, you know, when you're at a sports bar. So, yeah, that's, that's the main reason I want to get involved with a sports bar. That was John Porter, part owner of Sportsbook. Him and his team pride themselves in creating a great environment for you to enjoy your favorite sports with TVs in every direction you look and so much more. Something that makes Sportsbook unique is not just a sports bar. We also have a killer menu um, with a bunch of, we got pizza burgers and melts and the combination of the food with the experience of a, of a Broncos game or an Avalanche game or a Rockies game and having all that stuff packed into one. I mean, no one wants to sit at home by themselves and watch a game. You want to be around friends or you want to make new friends. You want to be full while you do it. And you also would like to have a few drinks with it as well. So with all the beers we have on tap and the diversity of our menu, there's no better spot to watch sports. You feel like you're in your house with all of your friends with you. If you're in the area, be sure to stop by the Sportsbook Bar and Grill today. This is the BSN Avalanche Podcast. Powered by the BSN Denver Podcast Network. For the Colorado Avalanche, that's Matt Duchesne. Right now, news is breaking that he has been involved in a trade that has been completed, and it looks like they have pulled him off the ice here after just playing a couple of minutes to start this hockey game. The best Avalanche coverage in Denver. Fans have the puck again in the New York zone. Shot, Taking you beyond the ice and inside the locker room. Gerard didn't have a stick. The handoff in the slot broken up with a skate by Gerard. He broke up that play. Then he stopped it there. Oh, wow. What a play by Gerard. <laughs> and now, here are your hosts, A.J. Hafley and Adrian Dater. Ooh, I'm a rebel just for kicks. I've been feeling it Welcome into another episode of the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by In We Go, a dope subscription service that can get you into almost any event in Denver. I am AJ Hayfley, uh, alongside Adrian Dater. I have not been on the podcast in what feels like two weeks, uh, so it's nice to be back. AD, it is a snowy day in Denver here on New Year's Eve this afternoon as we uh, we do a pregame podcast for once. How you doing, my man? Well, I'm doing good. I'm uh, just thinking today how it really does feel like a bitterly cold Eastern New Hampshire day of my youth today. This is this is my youth. Uh, the weather outside is is my youth for twenty whatever years I was in New Hampshire. So, uh, it's, tell me more stories from the Civil War. Yeah, pretty close, right? Not that far <laughs> off, really. I mean, I was born. <laughs> I, I was born 100 years after the Civil War ended. Just think about that. I mean, it was only 100 years. <laughs> Almost had it. It's uh, it's amazing when you think about some of the stuff that I was, when I was born, really hadn't been all that far off. Like World War II, you know, 20 years before. Just think about 20 years ago, how soon that feels like. And you think about how close I was to all that stuff, so... Anyway, yeah, cold, bitter day, avalanche, uh, New Year's Eve games, kind of a tradition, right? I don't know the last time we had a New Year's Eve off, actually. Yeah, I uh, I was telling somebody the other day that, oh, they always have a New Year's Eve game in Denver. It's It's been five or six years in a row now that <laughs> they've had one. So. Well, they were in uh, they were on the road for a long time. They, I remember how we had one in uh, Anaheim. Uh, <laughs> I remember going out to a... Uh, franchise restaurant with a couple of writers from him, uh, Anaheim after that one, that game where he had like a glass of champagne. We actually had a glass of champagne in the press box uh, that night. Uh, that's cool. Yeah. That's why my story was incomprehensible. That, no, it's uh, <laughs> we, uh, used to be in Arizona too. We had a few of them, I think. Uh, New Year's I remember New Year's one in Arizona. Year. I think uh, 
Stasny like broke his armor one. More than one, yeah. Uh, Might have broken his wrist. I think that was a home game. He actually broke his wrist against Arizona. Um, Okay. But uh, yeah, a couple uh, couple of them in Arizona. Remember going out to uh, another franchise restaurant after another NHL New Year's Eve game. So yeah, I've had a good time on New Year's Eve the last few years. I am not a New Year's Eve guy to begin with, anyway. Though uh, I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not uh, I'm not going to be hanging out at the bars anymore, uh, regardless, really. But yeah, just uh, it's always fun to see the the ball drop and everything in uh, Times Square. It was fun for me as a kid. I remember uh, parents used to used to drink quite a bit, <laughs> watch the New Year come down. <laughs> Yeah. And uh, I would just sort of sit back and watch them all, all get drunk and think, uh, you know, kid thoughts about it. And uh, Boy, adults are cool. Yeah, yeah, they're on a good mood, aren't they? <laughs> uh, yeah, right. I, uh, I was in Arizona right before uh, Christmas for that, for the Avs fiasco down there. And uh, they had a bunch of uh, Christmas cookies in the press box. Oh, yeah. So... That was cool. I, it was very festive. I liked that. That was fun. Well, I'm sure the Avs will spare no expense on a couple of New Year's Eve things tonight, right? We have no doubt about the, the fact that the Avs will put a couple treats up in the press box. Oh, that's right. This is the Avs. Not a chance. Yeah. It'll be the same was, stale popcorn that I'll ever. But we don't care about that, right? We don't, we're not there for the free food. I mean, I'll tell you what. Now that I've been into a couple of different arenas, I got thoughts. Oh, yeah. But I... Uh, it's not. It's not a huge deal. No. no, and I mean, like you know, they're gonna they're gonna do fireworks after the show or after the show after the game. That's right. So that'll be cool. Yeah, that'll be cool. It'll. It. It's weird that they do fireworks indoors to me, but whatever. Yeah. Well, uh, we got a lot to talk about, don't we? We've had a. We got. We got a. Yeah. We got a team. Uh, we got a team uh, sliding a little bit. We got a bad hockey team right now. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you don't. You don't. What three wins in eleven games, something like that? Two six and one. Sorry, that's bad. Two six and one in the last nine. That's the only stat I keep memorized. Is the last going from that? Yeah, two win thing. Yeah, last ten, two six and two. That's not very good. Nope. And uh, I mean, here we go again tonight. They got a very winnable game, but I'm nervous as hell going into this game. Uh, we're not going to preview it that much, but. We'll yeah. do that for tomorrow's podcast talking about the Kings game. Yeah. Let's talk about let's talk about the late game events against Chicago. Uh yeah. you put out a tweet that was loved by everybody on Twitter. Yeah, I love Nathan <laughs> fans. Uh so uh you got a you got a pretty healthy ratio there. Yeah, I had a uh, good with a, good good strong uh comments were the, what, what did I say? The uh the mentions were strong. Uh, yeah, I uh, you you found uh, you found the lightning rod of a thing to say uh, after that game. This doesn't so, sound like me. Yeah, I would. Um, <laughs> I'll give you a platform here, as if Twitter wasn't a big enough one for you, uh, to go ahead and you know what what happened there, Chief. <laughs> <laughs> what happened was I meant to say something one way, and it came out differently, and uh, I was just a little too stubborn to kind of change it. So, um, yeah, I said that. <laughs> I basically said that. Hold on, you stubborn? Yeah, I know. Let's through. Uh, you know, look, we could have a whole podcast on Twitter and the ridiculousness of it. Um, yeah. The fact is, I was just, you know, you can mistake four or five or six people coming and commenting for you know a thousand or something, and you can really over dramatize uh, what what's really the people caring about something you say on Twitter to what the reality is. But yeah, I got, uh, I, I just said that uh, Gabe Landeskog just cost them the playoffs, the playoffs, basically. That's, <laughs> that's the way the tweet came out. What I meant to say was that Gabe Landeskog <coughs> may have just cost them the playoffs <laughs> with that last point. Meaning, 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 of course, Hey, they only made it by one point last year, so every point's valuable, and that lost point could cost them in the end. That's basically what I'm trying to say. And it came out as, well, Gabe Blanescog just cost them the playoffs, and it's all over. So, 
I apologize for, about- for my wrong uh, wordiness of that tweet. It was, uh, and I rightly got chided for it. And uh, I think I've made some progress, as I told you, AJ. The old me might have come back at everybody and argued all night long and probably blocked half of people. Uh, basically, I just knew I'd stepped in it for a second and thought, all right, everybody's just going to take their shots at me here, and uh, I just got to take it and move on. And that's what I did, basically. A couple people I said a couple things back to, but nothing too mean or anything, just uh, – just arguing the point that, yeah, I think it was a horrible penalty and it very well may cost them the playoffs in the end. I mean, I'm not going to back off from that. All right, drama. Um, let's talk about let's talk about the hit itself, uh, because yeah. for some reason that was deemed controversial by some people who didn't feel it was a penalty at all. Yeah, a lot of people. Um, yeah, and for me, uh, there were officiating problems in that game, and I definitely would agree with that. I don't think that was one of them. I mean, I have never, I still haven't seen it. I didn't, I've been trying to find more gifs of it and I can't find them, but I, I certainly thought I saw Landy's stick go up and hit him in the head, in the face. Uh, yeah. So what's there to argue? Yeah. I mean, a lot of people say, no, he is the Blackhawks players on stick hit him. I mean, do I'd like to see it a little more clearly still before I laugh at that, but. I know when I saw it that I thought, yep, that's Landy's stick, all right. Uh, yeah, I didn't have an issue with the penalty at all. I thought it was dangerous. I thought it was reckless, and I thought it was stupid, and I thought Landis got cost his team. And I don't have an issue saying that. I thought he was in the wrong there. I thought it was a clear penalty. Um, there was all there was a bunch of blood. It happened, uh, happened right in front of where I was standing. Um, I thought it was a very obvious call. I didn't have any issues with that. My issue was with the not called high stick by Taves in overtime where he knocked the puck out of the air with his high stick right in front of Arley on the rebound that led to the game winning goal. And that didn't get called. And that was my frustration, not with um, the call against Landeskog. I thought that the call was appropriate. Um, I thought it was the right call, and I thought it was the it was obviously the wrong thing for Landis Cog to do with that. Well, time. first of all, it's Jonathan Taze. I mean, there's, the rule in hockey is there's no penalties that can be called on Jonathan Taze. I mean, didn't you see the last Avs game against Chicago here, where he blatantly not. where he blatantly tripped Sam Gerrard and sent him sprawling into the boards? Could have killed him. Remember, I was in Arizona, so right, I missed that game. Well, horrible non-call there led to. Uh, uh, a power. Uh, it led to Gerard being it injured. To be icing or something? What? Wasn't it supposed to be icing? Yeah. And Gerard clearly and won the battle to the puck. I mean, he clearly won the battle to the puck. He crossed the down by the hash marks before Taze. Clearly, and yet they they wave off the icing. Then Taze trips Gerard. And send them flying into the boards where he got injured. Cost him the rest of that game. He did not come back and play. Uh, definitely hurt the team. They had to play with 5D the rest of the game, but no call. So, anyway, Jonathan Taze, you know, you can't make Living a call to Jonathan right. Taze. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah. 100 player ever. Yeah. Ever. The point is, yeah, the, 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 he got away with one. The Avs didn't. The Avs are not getting away with much right now from the refs. That's for sure. Uh, but the uh, the odds are also creating a lot of their own problems. In that and they played horribly. I mean, they're not playing well. They're playing. I. It's weird because I think defensively they've really fallen apart. At the same time as offensively, I think they've started to find their legs a little. In that they're generating more as a group. Um, it's just not going in. Like right now, the top line is the only line that's producing any kind of points. Um, but I feel as a whole, the lineup is producing more uh, more chances throughout one through four uh, than it than it had been. But there, it's getting undone by the fact that other lines aren't consistently finishing. Um, and when I say other lines, I mean lines two through four should be expected to give you at least one goal per night. That's a fair expectation. Those those not the same line. Not the same guys every time, but those those nine players should be good for one goal for for you per night. Well, 
if Jesse and they have Jesse and I got into this last podcast thought that we're we're on with him him and me. Uh, this was after the uh, loss to uh, Vegas. Vegas. Well, I said, "Hey, Jesse, bottom line isn't doing that much," and he came back and he says, "Data, the stats show that." They've got some of the best balance in the league offensively, two through four right now. I, they they do. See, but I'm not seeing it either. I don't feel like it's consistent. Uh, well, it's certainly not consistent. And the problem is, over the last I would say ten games, this two six uh, two six and two stretch, it hasn't been. I mean, it's been. They they he's right in that. I mean, if you look at the big picture. What they've been able to produce through their lineup is among the best in the NHL. It's among the deepest in the NHL. But in this stretch, it hasn't happened. And that's why they've been losing games. I mean, it's that's, you know, it they, they haven't been well, able to get in points from those guys. Well, and at the same time, your top line has also not played very well, in my opinion. Uh, I've been all over Nathan McKinnon the last couple of weeks. Uh, I don't think he's consistently played well. And he drives that line. Any thought that Miko Rantanen was driving that line, despite leading the league in points, is false. Rantanen doesn't drive that line. It's all about what McKinnon is up to. Rantanen is just the perfect sidekick. And I don't I feel like that's a I agree with that five on five, especially. Uh, I think power play rants can lead things more. Uh, but uh, yeah, well, to me, the biggest problem of, of by far of late is the power play. I mean. Um, Right. I mean, that's in addition to all the problems that the top line's been having, you know, with especially McKinnon. And one thing McKinnon's driving, I know it's driving Bednar crazy. And yet you're not hearing Bednar ever say anything about McKinnon. I don't know if he's afraid of offending him or, you know, upsetting the golden haired child. But uh, the turnovers in the neutral zone by Nathan McKinnon are becoming really really problematic problematic i mean they're costing the team not just good scoring chances and sometimes goals but flow you know and when he turns a puck over they can't get their four check going because they you know even if the top line doesn't score usually the the puck will remain in the zone they can get a line change and sort of keep a good flow going when nathan mckinnon's just giving the puck away in the neutral zone it just tires everybody out the d's got to scramble to get back the forwards are caught too deep. Everybody gets tired, and they lose. Uh, they lose hockey games. Ultimately, they lose hockey games. That's that's the bottom line, man. And uh, I think uh, with McKinnon, I think there's a lack of accountability in the organization. I think he gets treated with kid gloves, and that he isn't held to the same standard as everybody else. Um, I think that he's kind of the golden child in the same way that Duchesne was uh, in his time here, where he's. He's on a different level, and hey, he's our best player. We're going to treat him one way, and um, you know, I feel like the some of the mistakes that he's made, you you kind of shrug some of them off and say, well, it's going to happen. Ultimately, he's going to generate more than he's going to to cost us. But I really, I think lately that hasn't been true, and I think it's I think it's a big issue. You know, I think it's. Maybe don't maybe don't play him as much, um, you know. Maybe maybe cut yeah. the minutes back just a bit. I mean, sit him down for a period or something. Do something. I mean, maybe that's too drastic, but uh, yeah. you know, do something. Maybe uh, something. Something that says, you know, hey, we're you know, I I get frustrated with Tyson Jost's game. He goes to the fourth line. I get frustrated with Zadorov's game. He plays thirteen minutes or he gets the occasional healthy scratch. You know, I get frustrated with. <laughs> All these other guys' games, and uh, there's a there's a, a noticeable response. I get frustrated with Nathan McKinnon. I just let him do. I, I let him be. Well, in a way, that's understandable. That's a frustration. He's, yeah, I mean, it's understandable in a way because he's he is the golden child. He's well, and he's an elite player, and I get it. There's a different landscape for those guys, but when you're trying to set up a certain level of accountability, those kinds, I feel like those kinds of things are what causes rifts in locker rooms. Because there's going to be a resentment that that builds up when it's like, hey, this guy just cost. I mean, do you remember the the turnover in Winnipeg that that yep. arguably cost them in that game? Yep, I sure do. And it was just like, and everybody just sort of shrugged it off in the organization. It was, oh, we'll get him next game. 
you know and and the problem was was that at the time it was just hey that that's one mistake you know yeah. uh it was a bad mistake it was stupid it was lazy um but the problem is now that we're starting to see more and more and more of those and they're they're becoming as regular as you know McKinnon scoring points yeah. and that can't happen that can't happen no if that's if that's what's going to happen he's going to turn into Claude Giroux and the Avs will be as good as the Flyers have been during Giroux's time which is hey they may make one great run but otherwise they're entirely forgettable if the Avalanche are going to be something more than that something special they're going to go on a special run with some of these guys they cannot allow that kind of lack of accountability to seep into their best players those guys have to be dialed in the same way that their depth guys are. Otherwise, you're not going to be on the same page, and you're not going to win anything meaningful. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. Do you think? What about this theory that the reason why they won't challenge McKinnon too much or upset him is because they know they're he's underpaid right now, and he's doing so will only you know they feel guilty about that in a way, so they're going to not hold him accountable as they would otherwise because. I mean, you're not going to see any Jim Lights bashing of Nathan McKinnon on this team. One, because they, you know, for people who don't know, we're talking about the president of the Stars came out and said profanities about Jamie Benn and Tyler McSagan the other day, <clears throat> and uh, which was a whole different kind. Making of ten million a year or eight to ten, and Nate's making six point three and making and more points than either of those guys. Um, what do you think of that? That they're, uh, you know, I don't, I don't think too much about the salary stuff. Um, yeah, I do. You know, I think they, a lot about salaries. It was a, it was a different world when he signed that contract. It was a fair contract when he signed it. I know, uh, but and then and then uh, you know, it's on McKinnon. I mean, at the end of the day, that's not the team's fault. The team gave him a fair contract. McKinnon, if McKinnon wanted to get paid, if he's going to be mad about the money, he shouldn't. One, I mean, he shouldn't have signed that deal. Two, he should have had the breakout. He should have maybe taken that leap before his contract came up. No, I agree. I mean, it's he signed I mean, it. He, he, did he can't this be mad. But himself, you know, you know darn well that sports isn't a fair, a rational landscape about anything. So, if Nathan McKinnon was to be upset about the money he's making right now, let's say I'm not, I'm not saying he is. I don't, I don't know. But if he, if he was. That would make perfect sense to me in a way because that's just sports. He's going to be mad about making six point three million dollars when he's seen Tyler Sagan making ten. Well, and again, I mean, he'll sulk about it maybe, and that's just that's the way life is. I don't not saying he's doing that. What I am saying is, if he's, he's going to sulk about it now, uh, we're, we're, we've got a long road ahead of us because he's got four more I years know. left of it. I know he does, and I I wonder though if that's just in the back of his head, like. Why should I be? Hey, you gotta rip me for turnovers. Well, pfft, you're not paying me ten million dollars a year like uh, like I'm worth. So you know that's just I've, I've been worried about this from day one this year, and even going back to last year. Uh, that's just me though. I do worry about contracts more than other people sometimes. I know he's gonna say that it has nothing to do with anything. I love my teammates. I love this team. I know he's gonna say all that stuff, but the reality is money matters to these guys. It's a measure of respect. And uh, it's just a, it's been a a thing in the back of my mind all year long, and I wonder if it's gonna get ugly at some point. You know, he's still the highest paid guy on the he team. He is. For he now. is. For now, we won't, we won't be. For now, but <laughs> for a few more months, he will. Yeah, he he will not be uh, for much longer. <laughs> he or he'll probably yeah. be the third or fourth highest paid player by the time his contract ends. <laughs> And that's, you know, that's the way it goes. He did sign at the time. He was coming off a not very great couple of years. And he got 6.3 because the Avs knew that he was still a young, talented hell as hell guy. Yeah, he got the highest of all those guys that signed contracts in that. He got the highest at 6.3. Yeah. Uh, and his track record was just okay. Yep. Well, uh, so his, that's his you know, credit. That's he, reality, to so. his credit, he uh, got a lot better. You know, he's gotten hell of great shape. You know, he, he's an elite player still. But uh, the fact is, he's been uh, just not only turning the puck over, but he's he's had trouble finishing and scoring goals for a little bit now. I mean, he scored the other night, which is good. Nice shot. Uh, 
So that's a good start. I have a feeling he's going to have a real good game tonight. I mean, I, I can't think otherwise. I'll probably just jinx them. But I think that he – I'm expecting a somehow a bust-out game from the top line tonight or two-thirds of the top line, whatever you want to call the top, the top guys tonight. Landy's not playing on the top line again tonight. So Tyson Jost back in the ringer. Back in the ring. The uh, the requiem for Tyson Jost continues. I mean, yeah, let's take our first break. All right, let's get a break. Yeah, let's do that. We're at 22 minutes. So right. we're going to take our first break, obviously, and then uh, we will come back on the other side. We'll get into, uh, you know, we got a lot more to talk about in Avsland here. So uh, don't go anywhere. It's the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by In We Go. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody, this is the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by In We Go, Denver's best subscription that allows you to go to as many events as you can, including Avalanche games, for only $39 per month. There's no additional costs or fees. You heard that right. You can get tickets to Avalanche home games with your In We Go subscription for only $39 a month. And it's not just Avs games. It's Rockies, Rapids, Nuggets, Buffs, Concerts, Beer Tasters, food fests, comedy shows, concerts, and anything else that you can imagine. If it's going on in Denver, there's a good chance that In We Go can get you in. Here's where it gets good. We partnered with In We Go to give BSN listeners a great deal. Go to inwego.com slash BSN or download the app for free and use promo code BSN50 when you subscribe to get 50% off your first month. That's right, all events in Denver for under 20 bucks during your first month. Try it and fall in love with it just like we all did at BSN Denver. Go to inwego.com slash BSN or download the app for free and use promo code BSN50. Now, enjoy the show. Welcome back in segment number two here, the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by In We Go. Adrian, the Avalanche have had troubles all over their roster lately. They've uh, called up Ryan Graves thanks to the uh, uh, ineffectiveness of Anton Lindholm and Mark Alt, uh, while Nikita Zadorov has been hurt and other injuries earlier. Uh, Graves has looked good in his, his couple of games here. It's still early on, uh, but some positive returns there. Uh, they've made a handful of other changes. They keep juggling their forward lineup. AD, what are what are you seeing uh, in that lineup that you don't like right now? Oh boy, that's a loaded question. Uh, <laughs> Maybe I should ask the other the other side of it. Is there anything that you do like from it? <laughs> um, I like JT Comfort lately, uh, but what I don't like is your question. Uh, <laughs> you know, I just. I mean, to me, hockey's everything's you know pretty much always stems from the top. Everything flows from the top. When the top line isn't clicking, you know, it affects everything. And the top line just hasn't been clicking as much. I mean, clicking as much as leading the league in scoring is a bit of an unfair comparison. But it's you know we know we all know the truth is they're not clicking as much, and that's you know, the top line has been broken up as we go into. You know, another game where we are not seeing three-headed monster together. So what I don't like is, eh, I don't know. I guess I could be a little critical of the coach, some of the moves. I didn't like the Matt Nieto move at all. That was a waste of a game. That was a waste of a, a game, you know. Um, well, I mean, he, he yeah, was back. He was back, but he just, come on, man. Matt Nieto, come on. Yeah, they, um, they they punted the first period of the of that game with a with a a, a waste of time. Well, and they also did that part of the way in the third period too of the Arizona game, which you were at. And tight, well, that was different. Lady Lady's fight forced that. Well, that's right. Well, so yeah, but there were that was that was why they did it was because they looked good in that minute together because Landy was in the box for fighting. But and so Nieto got up there, they scored a goal, and so he was like, "Oh, well, that obviously worked great. Let's keep doing that." Like, what are you doing? No. The obvious answer to me was the one that they arrived at today, which is trying Jost up there and moving Landeskog down. Now, where I where I differ is that they're still misusing Soderberg, but that's I mean I that's just going to continue to be. Yeah, you're not. That's just a hill you're not going to die on, is it? I mean, they, they're not going to win that battle. You know, they're not yeah, going to use Carl exactly. Soderberg on the second line. Um, yep. Period. Yeah, unless everybody gets hurt. Uh, I I think <laughs> Jost should have been in the second line. 
our first line winger uh, solution to all along. I mean, your most talented players are going to be the most talented players in the end. And they, you're not going to – you're just not going to create a 20-goal scorer all of a sudden out of Matt Nieto by playing him with the other guys. I mean, he, he had that 15-goal season, though, which is – throwing everything kind of out of whack as far as expectations. And we knew this would happen. We talked all yep. summer about this. I thought he was not going to repeat that. Yeah, he, was, he was definitely not going to repeat as a 15-goal scorer. And he hasn't. Um, he's on pace for, what, uh, eight goals little or so? So uh, roughly half what he produced last year, which we all knew was happening. Well, and, and is more in line with his career. He's always been like a 10-ish goal right. guy. I mean, this is... Cody McLeod disease, you know, Cody McLeod with the 15 goal season once. Yeah. Everybody expected him to be a 15 to 20 goal scorer the rest of his career. And I don't think he ever hit double figures after that. Right. Um, This is where I would say, I, I I think this is where the Wilson injury has really hurt them because they've lost that stability there. Um, And while, I mean, Colin Wilson's not a star, uh, but he is, he is a reliable guy that you can put into your lineup and you know what you're getting out of him. Um, you know, 13 points to 35 games. Again, you're not talking about any great shakes here, but eight goals, you know, almost all of them just standing in front and banging away at pucks. And for a team that can get soft on at times, that's an important asset to have. His injury has affected them more than I think we expected it to. Um, and they haven't, they haven't really found an answer there. Well, I disagree a little bit. I don't think Colin Wilson was ever – a step stabilizing force and much of anything. I just, I'm not a huge Wilson guy. Never really have been. Uh, yeah. He, he adds more of a, a physical nature to that line and he's, he can score some goals in front of the net. Yes. At times, but man, he also goes, you know, six, seven games without a point And you're like, boy, you know, why is he even up there? I just think they don't, they've never figured out the second line period. No matter who's on that line, it doesn't seem to work. And, uh, you know, on we go. Still trying to figure it out. And uh, you ask what I don't like, I guess that's still the main thing is the second line just has not ever been uh, good enough to be stabilized and have an identity and stick together. And Bedler's so up and down. We all are. He just keeps mixing and matching, but it's nothing. nothing's been working. Well, and it's and they needed to find this out. They needed to figure out, you know, where Kerfoot is as a player. They need to figure out what JT Comfer is as a player. And right now, you've got to be really pleased. Comfer's, you know, is sixteen points and ten goals through twenty three games. Very pleased. Um, you know, the the shooting percentage is too high. That'll come down at some point, but um, that doesn't that doesn't suddenly mean he's going to turn into an ineffective player. Like you've got to be pleased with a couple of of, of these guys. You know, Kerfoot, it's still a little bit too hit or miss with him, but he's still finding ways to contribute. Uh, He's produced on your second power play unit and turned that into a dangerous unit. He's helped do that. Uh, I'm not saying he's done it all on his own um, because he certainly hasn't. But, like, they needed to find these things out. This is is the process they had to go through this year. You know, Jost hasn't developed as quickly as they were hoping. You know, Sam Girard, to a a lesser extent, also – uh, probably not doing quite what they were hoping uh, in terms of offensive production. Um, but they, that, that, that's what this year was about. It was about figuring out which of the guys from last year's team were going to take the big steps forward and then finding the holes and saying, okay, well, you know, Confer is going to fill one of those holes, those second line holes, right? Like, I feel like if, I feel like it's pretty safe to assume he's probably a second line guy moving forward. Second, you know, maybe maybe a low end second guy at the end of the day, but a high end third line guy, whatever. But that's going to answer one of those questions, right? Like you, you okay? We've got a player here. They've got to figure out exactly what they feel uh, Kerfoot is. You know, is he a second line? Is he really a second line guy? And then you know, kind of go from there. And that's that's what they needed from this season was to figure it out, to answer the questions of who are these guys, and which which one of these guys are not going to take those steps forward. So that we know what to go out and and to target and to get and to, to to trade for to draft to develop blah 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 to sign in free agency you know whatever 
this is what this was this was always why they quote unquote did nothing last summer was because they had to see what they had in the guys they'd already brought in. You know, and now now it's time it's it's what given what they've seen, they're starting to get those answers and they can start moving on. I think what all our answer though is that it all comes back to in the end that Tyson Jost has not performed well enough. And he has yeah. he had the chance to be the guy who gave that line an identity and uh well, and it's all not, not over. We're talking in past tense here, but it's not it's not done. It's not over, but it, you know, we started he started the season as the second line center and right now he's he's a top line guy. <laughs> Looks like he's gotten a promotion. But really it's just a move out of desperation to try and cover the up the holes of the second line which have never which Jost had a chance to fill the first time around. If Tyson Jost is playing the way they hope this year, then uh, Gabe Landeskog is back up on that first line, probably where he should be, playing with Mac and Rance. And Tyson Jost is leading that second line, but it just hasn't been able, he hasn't been able to do it. And that's why Bednar is starting to scramble around and move a Landeskog down there. So to me, it all comes down to the fact that Tyson Jost has not uh, put up the numbers, man. That's just, you know, the numbers don't lie here. He's, uh, he's bad production. Um, lately seems like he's just getting even lost in the games as far as even puck possession, anything. Um, and, uh, you know, he's on the fourth line not long ago. So to me, yeah, latest chance to do good, but, uh, how many times is he, how many chances is he going to get? I mean, I'm definitely not giving up on him, but uh, listen. He's 20 years old, and I think I think we're we're forgetting that because you know Rantanen had such success when he was so young. You know, McKinnon, Landeskog, also all guys that had great success when they were young, uh, like real young. And then you know, Comfer and, and Kerfoot get compared to Jost all the time, and you know those guys are you know Comfer's three years older. Yeah, you know, Com- Kerfoot's four years older. Those guys had full college careers, but to de- I mean, Tyson Jost is is doesn't turn twenty one until I think March, but May. But he, he came out early on his own choice, and this is a young man's game now. Yeah, March. This is a young man's game where eighteen, it's- nineteen year old guys are are very much contributing to the teams. The fact is, Tyson Jost has had a lot of playing time. And maybe, yeah, it was rushed a little, but that's probably his own fault for coming out when he did. You know, he could have stayed. It, it all comes down to the fact that Tyson Jost isn't performing. And I don't care how you – the rationale for it, but the fact is, you know, is he going to be any better, though, three years from now, just being older? Is that is that really all it is, just age and playing games? That you're- I mean, some of it's going to be – some of it's going to be physical maturity. Uh, some of it's going to be emotional maturity. He understands what he's doing a little bit better. Um, I'm not – and I'm not making – he hasn't been good enough through his first 100 games, but you also don't want to give up on a guy because of his first 100 no, games. I agree. You know, I don't I don't think he was ever a superstar in the making. Um, I don't think he was ever going to be, you know, a top – like a an elite player or anything. This is a guy that – you know, he has he has all the characteristics and all the intangibles to be a great leader and a great foundational piece uh, as a as a high end complimentary player. You know, a second line guy. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe maybe he ends up a really good third line guy. Maybe that ends up being what happens. And Comfer ends up being the second line guy they thought Jost would be. And Jost ends up the third line guy they thought Comfer would be. And that's fine. Maybe that's, that's how that goes. That's fine. I just the fact is when you're not getting anything from Tyson Jost as a player, no matter what line you're on, then it's a problem. yeah, it's not good enough. No, I mean, and it hasn't been good enough. And there's no getting around that. It hasn't been good enough. Um, there's there there could be a lot of reasons for that. What I don't like is the conversations about. Um, oh well, you know they should they should send him to the AHL. What what has that done for yep. any of these abs? You well, know. In what in what way has that I mean, helped you can, any of They'll say guys? Randon, but that was a little bit different, right? He was right. If they were if they were going to do the AHL thing, it needed to happen last year. Because yeah. after a hundred NHL games, I don't know what at that point you're giving him. And the Randon was also at the AHL, also you, because a little bit of an ELC thing, right? Yeah. So yeah, that, that wasn't the case here. Um, right. And well, and, and Comfer again. Comfer when he was in the AHL was a couple years older. Yeah. You know, 
So, I mean, you're talking. It's, yeah, I mean, there's. It, it, with with Jost, it's, it's a complicated, it's a tough situation. It's imperfect. He hasn't been good enough. And now you have to say, okay, well, how do we make the most of the situation yeah, I mean, you know, moving forward? What's right. done is done. You know, the fact that they drafted him over whatever player that you liked, you know, is irrelevant. The fact that they didn't put him in a, you know, he didn't go back for a second year at Nodak or he didn't play last year in the AHL. Those are done. Those things are done. Those decisions have been made. It doesn't matter anymore. The, what matters is how do you get the most out of him and how do you develop him right. from this point forward? And I think, I think what they're doing with him is what they have to do. I think I've, I said in the preseason, I would top, I would put him on the left wing of this line just to get him going and to, to, to see what, you know, see how he handles that. If he handles it as well as I think he, he could, you know, then this is a really good move for them. If he completely falls apart and nothing happens, then you, maybe you do start to ask serious questions about the kid. But for right now, I mean, it's just, it's just too soon. Don't give up on the kid just yet. And we'll see. Yeah, I agree with that. Any final thoughts on Joe's? No, that's good. Okay. Let's go ahead and take a second break here, and then uh, we'll come back on the other side. We'll get into a question or two, and then we're going to jump out of here. This is the BSN Avalanche Podcast presented by In We Go. We will be right back. Many of you listen to these BSN Denver podcasts every day, and we appreciate that. We also want you to know that there's even more access at bsndenver.com. On the website, you'll find exclusive interviews, feature stories, locker room audio, film breakdowns, live game content, and game grades, where we grade every player after every game using our proprietary grading metric for each sport. Nobody covers Denver sports like BSN Denver. Go to bsndenver.com and use promo code PODCAST to get a one-year membership for only $29.99. That comes out to $249 per month, half of what our monthly package costs. That's promo code PODCAST for a $29.99 annual pass, giving you a 50% discount. BSN Denver is sports coverage for diehard fans. And Welcome in third and final segment here, the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by In We Go. I am AJ, he is Adrian, and you are the great listeners that feed the beast. As such, you guys have a couple of questions. We have a couple of answers. Uh, I'm not going to waste any time because we have very little of it to give right now. Adrian, what you got for me? Yeah, we got some listener uh, listener questions here. We always love to hear from you all, so just put your uh, questions in future podcast comment sections, and we'll read them on the air. How's that sound? We'll read your name and, and your questions. Some of these are a little old, but not too bad. Uh, from DP10, uh, so far the focus has been on Comfer uh, and Jose right now and uh, the Wilson injury. But how much has Vladislav Kamenev's injury actually hurt the forward lines uh, too? AJ, your thoughts? I think I think it has because he had brought stability to the fourth line center spot. And I think that was important. Um, and right now that's they're kind of scrambling around uh, trying to figure out. What's that? Yeah, you think? Sheldon yeah, dies yeah. one day, Logan O'Connor, you know. Well, right. And like they don't they're trying to they're trying to figure the whole thing out, right? Yeah. It was uh, they just don't really they don't really know what to do. Yeah. Uh and you know, the Cameron of injury it it created that curveball for them. So uh it's definitely had an impact. There it there's no doubt about that. It has absolutely had an impact. Yeah. Um I think Kamenev was adding some good things. He was a rookie struggling at times yep. too, obviously, but uh, I've noticed his, you know, face-offs they've missed. Uh, some of his, just a little bit of his reach and defensive play, you know, seemed like a good long, long body. It was, I don't feel like they've been as good defensively lately in those situations where he's not out there. He could have been maybe a difference. So, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, Audio Veins says, I uh, really feel like the Avs should make a trade for someone like Tyler Toffoli. Uh, uh. <laughs> I already hear that grunt, AJ. Uh, he'd be uh, a good second line right wing. And uh, uh, your thoughts, Tyler Toffoli? Uh, I totally agree with him. Uh, I think it, sure. I, I think he, oh, okay. I think to, uh, I've always really liked Tyler Toffoli. Uh, I think he's a good player. He's uh, 26 years old. He's got a 4.6 million cap hit for the next two years, I believe. Um, he's been a good, solid 40, 50 point guy 
a reliable 20 goal guy, uh, good player. He's also exactly what the LA Kings need. Um, so I think, yeah. I think the Foley is kind of in a, is kind of a guy for LA, like Eric Johnson is for the Avs where to is more valuable to the Avs than he will, or to the, to the Kings, than he will be in a trade. Um, so the Avs would not give up like a first round pick for him. They wouldn't give up uh, top young prospects for him. And at that point, why would the Kings bother doing it when he's exactly the kind of guy that they need? Same thing with the guy like Chris Kreider uh, from the Rangers, another guy who would fit very nicely in with the Avs, uh, and even Kevin Hayes uh, fit very nicely in with the Avs. But you're talking about a second line guy where they're mm-hmm. going to be asking for first line <laughs> prices for him because of the importance that that guy plays to them. Um, so a good fit, a really good name, a really good pull, really good, uh, really good stylistic fit, really like everything about it makes perfect sense. Uh, it's just that, uh, the abs would have to overpay to do it. And I don't think that's a good idea for them. Yeah. I think I got to stay away from Kevin Hayes, uh, funny and tap hit. Uh, you know what though? He's got 30 points in 37 games, but, eh, I never loved this game, but anyway, uh, similar question from. Similar question for our man, guys, guys uh, like the that, Vane, yeah. our man Vane's. Uh, we all want AJ Green to succeed. He gets chances to come up, and then it seems like he's gone right away. AJ, are the, are the Avs being too hard on AJ Green, or is he just flat out failing and he's doing it himself? Uh, you can't really say that they've put him in a mm. position to succeed uh, yet. So it's hard to, it's hard to judge when he comes up and he plays five minutes next five minutes uh, next to Gabe Bork and whoever, whoever the fourth line center du jour is that week. Um, You know, it's not, it's, it's not really a a situation conducive to figuring out who that guy is. Uh, The same, the same thing will be said of Logan O'Connor, you know, uh, if he comes up and he does absolutely nothing, it's not because he's not a good player or anything. It, uh, there's just not, it's not a situation where he's going to get opportunity to show who he is. Um, and the same thing has really been true with Greer uh, outside of a couple of games uh, very early in his career. He hasn't really gotten a chance to play very many meaningful minutes. And it's really difficult to show who you are. Yeah. Well, I mostly agree with that, but you know, um, it's also a cutthroat world. Man. Just, you got to do something. Yeah, I mean, it's just not a fair world, and he just—he's always—he always, you know, penalties have been a problem. I don't um, think they have things been. like that. Well, not as much this year, but you know, I don't know. I, I agree, and you know, I just, but I also think that's—it's it's a cruel world, and yeah, for some reason, it's just. It's just not working. Bednar doesn't see what he likes, and he back he goes. Uh, uh, here's a question from Nels, uh, kind of a long one, but why? Why does it have to be a conspiracy theory if calls are a little slanted one way or the other? Uh, couldn't good old favorite fashion favoritism play a role? Now this is going into things like offside calls. Yeah. Uh, you know what? This is a really long question. I'm going to save this question for a future podcast. It's it's kind of getting into the abs are getting screwed. Why aren't they getting better calls from the ref? You know, the both the refs and also replays in Toronto. Is there a conspiracy? <laughs> we'll, we'll say, but I think it comes down to the fact that yeah, the Avs are just not in a been the favorite in Toronto. But I don't think there's a conspiracy against the Avs. But uh, uh, I'll synthesize a couple of these questions into the basic question of AJ: Why is Gabriel Bork continuing to play? I mean, that's he's reliable. I get that every day. <laughs> reliable how i mean you know exactly what you're getting from him he understands the pk system Nothing. whether whether he Nothing. does it well or not is up for perfectly fair debate uh you're not worrying about him uh at 5v5 he's not he's not getting scored on regularly uh, <laughs> he's dominic Toninato from last year except on the wing <laughs> that's that's that yeah it's, it's not fun it's it's ugly um he doesn't produce any kind of offense uh, he's not a dangerous player, but he finishes ch- his checks. Uh, he plays hard. Uh, he works hard. He's engaged throughout the game. He understands his role. He's comfortable in what he's doing, and coaches always value that. I disagree wholeheartedly that he should be in the lineup. Uh, I think it's absolutely absurd, 
but it doesn't, you know, my opinion just doesn't matter. So, um, uh, that's why he's in the lineup and and every NHL coach has this guy on their team. Um, if, if, and if, if it wasn't Gabe Bork, Abs fans would be complaining about Patrick Nemeth. It's always these fringe guys that are making almost very little difference uh, between winning and losing, especially Bork because he's only playing five minutes. Nemeth plays a much bigger role because he's playing like 18 minutes now with Zadorov hurt. Um, <sighs> but there's always these, there's always these fringe roster guys that, yeah. that fans, you know, obsess over. Why is this guy here? He's not doing, if AJ Greer was in, in, in Bork spot and doing nothing, Avs fans would be perfectly content because they like AJ Greer and they haven't given up on him yet. And that's just the nature of them. That's why every single year, every fan base of every team ever adopts their designated whipping boys to be bad that they are on the roster and that they play and that they generally just exist for the abs fans. It's Gabe Bork this year. If Gabe Bork gets moved out at some point, you know, or replaced or whatever, it'll move on to being Patrick Nemeth or Mark Barbario or Philip Grubauer or somebody. It'll always be somebody, you know, Tyson Berry. Yeah. No, sorry. Yeah. I had a flashback to Tyler Arson there. Uh, He's coming. Tyler Arson. You know, Tyson Jost is on Tyson Jost is on the on the rise in that category. Yep. So yep. um, you know, it's it's it just is what it is. Um, you know, you've got to have every fan base does it. Um and, and they they view they value different things than what the coaching staff is going to value. I'm not saying it's right, I'm not saying it's wrong. I, I well I, in Bork's case I'll say it's wrong. He's not an NHL player and he shouldn't be on that lineup. But uh it just is what it is, and that's that's the reality of it. Their Bedner values what Bork brings, and that's the end of the story. Yeah, no, I agree. And uh, you know, uh, the guy who go out and score three goals tonight, maybe. So uh, we'll uh, we'll see. We'll wrap it up on the we'll we'll break it down on the pod tomorrow if he does. Call it the the return the Bork uh, returns to glory in Colorado, something like that. Yeah, they. Uh, um, that's pretty much all the questions I got. I think for 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 this, uh, keep sending in your questions. We'll uh, we'll read them and uh, we'll yeah. we'll get to those. We'll definitely get to officiating when yeah. we have time. Meanwhile, uh, we're gonna hop out and cover a game tonight. We're gonna break it down on tomorrow's pod. And uh, have a happy New Year, everyone. Yeah, absolutely. We'll uh, we'll be doing something. Uh, we've got we've got stuff in the works for tonight. So we'll uh, you know. Much love. Let's get out of here, AD. Stay, stay safe out there, folks, and uh, thanks for a good 2018. We'll be right back in 2019. We'll, we'll talk to you in another year, as they say. But, Absolutely. Uh, yeah, less than 24 hours. So, All right, yeah. man. Good one. We'll talk to you soon. Yeah, this has been the BSN Avalanche Podcast presented by In We Go. We will see you guys tomorrow.